pull up a bar stool. We've got a very special edition of the pubcast this week. I'm break the uh, the secret here, but you will see very quickly. Um, before we get to that, just a final final chance here. You'll be getting this at the earliest Friday, twenty uh, seventh, twenty seventh, and um, oh. The, the Friday before my first workshop of the year. Outside the box, Facebook ad design. So this is your last chance to sign up. It's, uh, if you go to johnlimmer.com slash OTB dash workshop. The workshop itself will occur on Wednesday, April 1st. It's 90 minutes. And uh, it's really going to help you address a single problem. I mean, there, there are a lot of people out there who struggle to run Facebook ads that lead to a high number of conversions or a pro- positive ROI, or you just have an issue with your audience ignoring your ads, or simply become it's just simply becoming too expensive to get the actions that you desire. So, we're going to have this live 90-minute workshop. It'll be a webinar event consisting of approximately two 30-minute presentation blocks, two 15-minute Q&A blocks. And of course, if you're not able to attend the live event, it'll also be made available uh, as a recording, but again, only for those who pay ahead of time. So just go to johnluber.com slash OTB dash workshop and join me there. Pop a bottle. Let's do it. John here from JohnLumer.com and John Loomer Digital on Facebook. Here with another edition of the Social Media Pubcast where each week I invite you to the virtual pub and we get drunk on social media. This week, special, special edition. I'm here with Team Loomer, Jenny Brennan, John Robinson, and special celebrity guest, Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry, how you doing? This is ridiculous. I've been waiting to be here my whole life. Oh, that's also Andrew Foxwell. Now, you never would have figured that out. I'm sure you all would have thought that was actually Jerry Seinfeld. But uh, no, uh, we're actually in San Diego right now. Uh, we're in a uh, what, what do we call this place? Incubator. Incubator. Uh, we're giving some space to have some team loomer meetings and uh, decided we, it was time to record a pubcast. So we're, we're here in San Diego for Social Media Marketing World, which is going to be on, on uh, Thursday and Friday, Wednesday night. Looking forward to it. But uh, I ask this every time at the beginning of a podcast, pubcast, what are you all drinking? Well, we're all drinking this uh, Ballast Point Sculpin IPA, which is... Pretty delicious, although quite expensive. We <laughs> yeah, we just uh, we decided to spur of the moment to record this thing, and Andrew and I head across the street to a Seven Eleven because we're classy around here. Hashtag Seven Eleven brand and, ambassador. And picked out the Ballast Point, not realizing it was a seventeen dollar bottle or seventeen dollar uh, six pack. So uh, we're gonna enjoy this one. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. That's real cheers. <laughs> So that's all I got. Oh, no, actually, uh, so I didn't really know what we were going to talk about today, but luckily we have John here. I, we, we've had John on the show, so JR, John Robinson, on the show before. 
he, as we've mentioned, he's uh, my backup CEO, my business manager, and he is much more organized than I am. And if you could see the sheet he's looking at right now, you'd know exactly what I'm talking about. We, we had a meeting today with, with, some, with a client, and he completely mind-mapped everything front and back to the point where they wanted a copy of it afterwards. Um, and meanwhile, I had some chicken-scratching notes, and that's all I had. But he is prepared, and he's basically going to be our moderator today with some questions. And then we'll see where it goes. Yes, well, thank you, John. I am a ultimate mind mapper. I would say my superhero strength is based on the question of how do I and just finish it out. So that's how I'm going to challenge all of you guys in the room with some how do I's. And these how do I's have been inspired by conversations with clients. It's been with looking at some of the Power Hitters Club's uh, questions as well. So we hope that uh, whatever how do I's we come up with uh, are valuable to you guys. So first question of how do I? I would say how do I target more effectively? That would be the first question that I'm putting out to Team Loomer. How do I target more effectively? Well, I mean, first of all, my whole thinking is always, how do I target people who are most closely connected to me first? I feel like that's kind of where I specialize. And, and Andrew, I know you talk a lot about um, the, the lookalikes and interests and stuff like that. And then Jenny, you can you talk, uh, get, say what you think is here as well. But uh, I always start first with the um, people who visit my website. I mean, you can talk about even your email list, but in my opinion, if someone is on my email list and hasn't been to my website recently, they're less valuable. Uh, as opposed to someone who has who's on my email list and has visited recently, they'd be on that website custom audience anyway. So I'd target them. So honestly, I think the best way to target is target those people who have shown interest in, in my product, in my services, my content by visiting my website. I would say, you know, making sure that your targeting is tied to your goals, right? So if the targeting is, a lot of times people will set up a lot of A-B tests, will set up a lot of different variants of, you know, we want to go towards this segment and that segment. And really what it comes down to is, one, is, is that tied to your goals? Um, you know, is the targeting you're actually going after going to drive results that's going to make your key performance indicators, uh, you know, get to the level that you want? Um, and then as, as a related to that um, is organization. You know, is your targeting effectively, is it organized? Is it clear? And are there things that are separate from one another? Um, because a lot of times people will kind of launch a lot of different tests and, and sometimes there's overlap there and sometimes they're completely, completely separate and they're not really related at all. So what you get at the end of the testing is you end up not learning as much. All right, great answer. Jenny, anything to add there? Um, yeah, um, actually, Andrew said something really interesting in one of our meetings this morning. And John, you talk about website custom audiences, but for businesses who don't have that much traffic yet to their site or they're in the early days of development, I think the targeting with the lookalike audience and the interests was something you spoke about earlier, Andrew, which was really interesting. So that's yeah, I mean, my favorite type of targeting in the world is in the uh, world is is lookalike <laughs> the universe <laughs> outside of website custom audiences is lookalike audience for any usually any percent plus interests plus really relevant interests 
and in direct response campaigns and stuff, that's really been, and any campaigns, that's usually the thing that will deliver the best results in the most consistent fashion over time, especially as you scale campaigns up for better results. Yeah, and my argument, again, is always, though, that that's preferably for the top of the funnel, though. I right. mean, look, no, if, it is, if, absolutely. Yeah, like, if you want to attract people, if you want to spend a lot of money to attract people who are like-minded, similar to those who are your current customers or, or whatnot, to, to get to know a new piece of content, a new product, know your brand, whatever, um, yeah, targeting this really broad audience in that way with look likes and interests makes a lot of sense. Okay, great. So I, I heard earlier Andrew said the word testing, A-B testing, and another how do I is how do I figure out what I should try next? And that could be A-B a, testing or just in general, what you what images you could use, anything is how do, what do I or how do I figure out what I should try next? John. In, in terms of A-B testing or testing mm-hmm. in general? Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, I think it's important that that we're using our Facebook ad reports and we're looking at the right data to see what's working and what's not. Um, so like a, a lot of questions I often get around, you know, when do I know it's time to try a new copy or, or a new creative? And I, I hear a lot of complex answers to that, you know, like the life cycle of a, an ad and like seven days or 14 days or whatever. And the truth is that I don't think it, there there's anywhere close to a set number of days for that because it depends on... Uh, how much you're spending, how large your audience is, and ultimately what your frequency is, and how people are responding to whatever it is you're putting out there. So regardless of what your frequency is, if it's still working uh, based on your measurements, so it's not, you know, what's my overall cost per conversion, it's what, how is my cost per conversion trending, or cost per desired action, whatever that is. If that trend is downward, and it's now to an unacceptable level, then it's time to change things. Um, and typically, what you change first kind of goes back to history. So if you're targeting an audience that you know does really, really well, and maybe that's kind of your core audience, um, you know, I'd probably stick with that. Um, and then move first to, okay, do we need to try a different, um, different creative, different, different image or different uh, copy to go after that same audience? And then after that, I guess, is when you, especially if you don't have a large enough audience, you'd expand it to use things like lookalikes and things like that. I mean, one thing that's very common that I see, and John, we've talked about this too, is I'm, I'm all about testing, absolutely, and, and all about wanting to know what am I going to do next. But I very much see um, a lot when people have just an incredible amount of variance. Uh, on the oh, campaigns, so. <laughs> and they're not, not spending enough, and they're not spending enough. So you'll have you know a, a lower budget, and you'll have you know an amount of variance of uh, you know people will be testing multiple images within mo- multiple ad sets that are targeting multiple audiences. And you think about the you know if you have three audiences to three ad sets with three images in each, do the math. Yeah, <laughs> like it's an incredible amount of variance. That's like 27 combinations or something. That's wrong math. Right. doesn't matter. But point is, it's a lot. And so, you know, I, I think a lot of people try to approach it, and this is maybe showing a little bit too much in my hand, but a lot of people try to approach it as a formula, and I'm very much about fa- finding a formula that works that's, that ties to your strategy and your goals. But in terms of testing, it's not as formulaic as people think. 
And in my opinion, I like to test things uh, one at a time and I like to do them in smaller changes and incremental changes because I can see the answer more clearly. Right. Um, and it, it, it becomes and it surfaces itself. Oh, that's what it is. It's, it's that ad itself. Um, and that's one of those things of uh, kind of like one ad per ad set type of you can take that all the way to that level. But it is a smaller change that allows you to make incremental changes that can be bigger over time. So I think in terms of that question of what do you decide to try next, it's based on what's been working, but it's also based on what do you try next and kind of how do you try it next is take it slow and take it incremental to make sure that you understand clearly what you've really gotten out of it. Okay. Right. And to, to add to that real quick, I mean, I, I see it repeatedly. People water down their results because they get cute and they try to create way too many variations to see what's working. But it's, it, it can be okay if you're trying to get page likes where it costs, you know, maybe a few cents to maybe a dollar to get a page like. But when you're talking about a conversion and you're talking about selling something that's, let's say, a $100 product, are you going to know after spending $50 whether something's working or not? I mean, especially, and then you break it up into six, eight variations and you've only spent, you know, $100 or $200 or $500 and you, you split it up and water it all down those results. Like, yeah, this one gave me two conversions. This one gave me one. This one didn't give me any. So that one doesn't work. Like, you don't know. You didn't spend enough money. So... Yeah, anything to add to that, Jenny? Okay. So oh, uh, oh, no. you just jumped on Jenny? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jenny said no. She's shaking oh, her head no. She said you, she can't follow all those, those answers. <laughs> uh, another one that comes to mind for me as a former head of marketing, my responsibility was to spend wisely, and spending wisely had everything to do with tracking. And I know as of recent, we've had this common theme that there's been some tracking challenges when it comes to doing campaigns. And the how do I, this is more geared to the agencies. All the agencies out there that, that want to impress that chief marketing officer or that, that head of marketing with your campaign work, the, the how do I is this. How do I show clients our value despite tracking challenges. So I'll ask it again. Yeah, do that. How do I show clients our value despite tracking challenges? And the value, um, I'll expand on the word value, is the value of what we bring to the table to for our clients in not only campaign strategy, but campaign execution, despite the tracking challenges. I mean, this is a, a subject that I it, it ties slightly into the blog post that I wrote last week about dark social and which is a concept essentially that Facebook and, and social media actually is more influential than we will probably ever be able to give it credit for. But let's just move that aside. And I've had this question a lot in terms of showing value despite those challenges of tracking. And a lot of it comes down to having kind of a fundamental discussion and a little bit of like a come to Jesus uh, moment with people that are in that CML role of, of saying, what are the things, you know, understanding from them, what are the things six months from now that would make you happy that can move that needle? And um, understanding then the, the way that we are going to talk about attribution. So we're, we're obviously going to look at sales, hopefully. If we can't look directly at sales, if a direct click sale in terms of attribution is not possible, then what are the ways that we can hit people on the front end, being the social end and understanding the metrics on the front end, and then understanding the metrics on the back end of 
um, what customer satisfaction is like, customer surveys, what types of in-person interactions have you had. Does, does the bar manager at the restaurant bar, if you're a restaurant, does the bar manager say that a lot of people see when he posts something on their Facebook page about a deal? You know, those sort of things are influencing people and how can you measure that? And so if you're sitting with a CMO, you know, and you're trying to show value, it's sitting down and saying, what, first of all, understanding what to you would be valuable to know? Would it be that we've reached as many people? Would it be that we've engaged as many people? Would sales be part of it? And maybe all of it's part of it, but the reality is we can, even without direct click tracking, create an attribution model that will satiate that, that question for a lot of people and show them the value, in my opinion. That was the first time the word satiate's been used on the podcast. Right, and I'm going to the dictionary right now because I do not know what that means. <laughs> Um, to kind of add to that, uh, and try to, and we're going to dumb this down a little bit now that I'm talking, but I think it really is all about establishing expectations, but it's also educating, uh, educating the client, making sure that they understand for, okay, yes, we're going to talk about what your goals are, what's important to you. Um, not so much in the Facebook sense, but what, what is it you want to accomplish from this? Then helping them understanding what we can actually do as a result of that what we can't do, what our restrictions are, what we can measure, what we can't measure, what we should measure. Because ultimately you're going to be, you're, you're the person who is the authority here. The client isn't really the one who should, who should tell you what it is that determines success in terms of a Facebook KPI, right? Because otherwise you say, they'll, they'll come out and say, I want you to tell, I want to tell you to tell me every month how many new likes we have, how much reach we have, and all this garbage that doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, so you take that information as far as what's important to, to help establish uh, some KPIs for them going forward and create a custom ad report or custom report in general. Hey, everybody, hold on. We got, we got Emmerich calling in. Let, let, me, I'll get, let me get him on the speakerphone one second. Emmerich, you are on speakerphone and you are on the pubcast. How you doing? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> We, we are upstairs. We're, we're going to get you on the podcast. You ready to come up? I'm ready. You need 200. I mean, I'm fine that you need 200. I'll see you guys. All right, we got a beer for you. Uh, John John Robinson is heading down. He's going to come get you. Hopefully, he, I, he probably doesn't even know who you are. What's that? I'm coming. Oh, you're coming up? All right, see you in a minute. Cheers. All right, Emmerich Arnold's in the house. Well, next time you give me an address, be precise, like second floor, da da dee, da da da, because I was like, I went to the 12th floor. You are being recorded. Stop talking. Hey. All right, so Emmerich, so now you were part of our panel, and we have to get you a beer first. Yep, I need a beer. So, Emmerich, you've never been on this brand of podcast before, but this is your Ballast Point Sculpin India Pale Ale that is in front of you. Um, less. Quick cheers, just because now, now you know we, we can't do this without your own cheers. <laughs> cheers. All right. So the format is Mr. Robinson over here. This is his neighborhood, and he is asking us a few questions, and we're having kind of a round table and discussing it, discussing it with our microphone in the middle. Mm-hmm. Anything you would like to say? I love that microphone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> where, where were we? <laughs> It's a French thing to say, no? I love the microphone. I don't know, man. Where, where were we, JR? What did you leave off as I went to open the door? 
Our last question. Where was the last question? I forgot which one it was. I'm throwing off. How now. do you show value despite tracking? Yeah, just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've kind That's of a good question, question, right? About it. Uh, how do you say Emmerich? How do you? And em- Emmerich is from Gore Pulse. Do you want to introduce yourself, Emmerich? Do you want me to introduce myself? Yes. You're not going to do that for me. No. <laughs> I'm like that that guy who's like who introduces somebody who I can't remember their name to, to my wife. Like, Lisa, this is. Hey, why don't you introduce yourself, Lisa? To this. this so at least I know now that you don't remember my name. <laughs> yeah. So I'm the founder of Agorapulse, which is a social media management um, platform. So that's what we do. Well, you don't have to tell me. We manage social media. Uh, it's hard to talk to a microphone. You sir, it's so more lively than the microphone. <laughs> Good. Well, Ember and I have been friends. Actually, it's funny that so we're here in San Diego, social media marketing world. The first time I was here, I, I came as your guest. Absolutely. You came as my guest. You slept in my room. You well, shared, no, okay, we're gonna stop here. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> enough of the personal stuff. <laughs> Yeah, we had a good time. Like yes. So a great tool, though. I, I love Agora Pulse. I've, man, I've, I, for the last couple of years now, I've talked about when anyone has to need some sort of uh, community management or uh, metrics management, take it a step further with Facebook, I'd say Agora Pulse. Well, he doesn't love Agora Pulse as much as I love John Newman. Oh. So. Oh. Oh. Perfect segue. Hashtag real talk. (laughs) So where were we? So so I will tee the question up again. uh, And again, is this, how do I show clients our value despite tracking challenges? And let me set the stage for you. There are plenty of agencies out there that have clients who uh, may not give them the the most up-to-date and accurate information. Maybe they are not giving them all the information to, to prove out the revenue value. So if you don't have the revenue metric to measure, how do we prove value if we can't? That's my favorite topic. Perfect. (laughs) Well, I think most people are getting this wrong because most people are still trying to measure value out of social media as if it was a direct response uh, channel. And it's not, I mean, except for Facebook ads. I mean, Andrew, Andrew would tell you a different story about ads and how you measure value out of ads, but if you're doing ads, yeah, you can practically direct, uh, measure direct response. Even though John would tell you, you know, if you're only doing direct response, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, it's not the best strategy. So it's mm-hmm. still with ads, it's a mix of awareness, you know, relationship building, even with paid, uh, paid stuff. When, we, when you come to organic stuff, which is what you do on, on the Facebook page itself and on any, anything else, Twitter accounts and anything social media related, if you try to measure clicks, conversion, conversion to leads and leads to clients and this and lifetime value, if you do that, you're going to get stuck at very measuring very little. That's number one. And number two, uh, having a very hard time measuring the real impact because based on my experience, even when I do Facebook ads, I see an impact on my bottom line that is not tracked uh, using the pixels and using the actual tracking measurement tools that Facebook is giving me. And I remember doing a campaign on a specific country in South America and after spending $10,000 thinking to myself, this is not working, I'm going to stop it. And then I checked my bottom line, my MRR for that country three or four months later and it has gone up $2,000 and it has remained steady. And if you looked at the tracking pixel, according to Facebook, I was not making money. So at the end of the day, I came up to the conclusion that, okay, I'm going to focus on one country and I'm going to look at my bottom line and I'm going to see if I can impact my bottom line by doing what I think is the right thing. So measuring results and ROI, even with Facebook ads, can be hard and very misleading. So 
my point with social media in general is the real value you get out of social is, and John will not contradict me on this one, is the relationship and the quality of the way people look at you and see you and, and refer to you. And if you can build that and sustain that and do that the right way, exactly like John has done it for the last three years, then you get results. But the problem with that is very hard to measure. It's very hard to to put numbers on them and tracking codes and pixels. So it's it's something that's, I don't know how you've, you've been measuring your success, but I think most of it was gut feeling that mm -hmm. I'm doing the right thing. And I know when you're doing the right thing for consistently for a sufficient number of months or years, you're getting the results. And that's a very hard thing strategy to sustain for a business that's looking that has a boss that says show me the results next quarter please so that's um that's the topic yeah and andrew and i talked about that actually today and that um you know because we've been talking about the, the long game lately and, and playing the long game and, and how useful this experiment was that that i was lucky enough to run recently because we talk a lot about the the value of playing a long game and doing things that aren't returning immediate roi but we don't have a lot of good examples of the po the positive effect of that. So, uh, because yeah, for the last few years I've been promoting blog posts, throwing money at it, but I know it's not bringing back immediate money. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's because it, I know it will eventually lead to something positive, and it's it's tough to to convince someone that that's the right thing to do. That's why. Um, did you follow the experiment, Emmerich? I did. Okay. Of course. So, and you're going to be in my, my presentation on Friday? I, in uh, social media marketing yeah. world? Of yeah. course. Okay. Uh, there is only one presentation I'm going to attend, and it's yours. Oh, thank you. So, anyway. <laughs> so, I will be talking about this, but it, the, the experiment was really cool in that that kind of um, uh, put a start and end to, to uh, the whole long game and sharing stuff that's just of value and not necessarily bringing a re return, returning an immediate ROI, but then actually being able to measure the financial impact at the end where it's so difficult to do on a day-to-day -like, day -day basis. Well, we, we can ask Jenny how we're doing, how we're leveraging social media to, to create value um, because she's doing most of it on, on, yeah. on our account. And yeah, t tell, tell, tell yeah. them about what we do about agencies and social media pros and how we leverage the, those relationships. Something's going on. I think it was a mouse or something. <laughs> There's a mouse you like in the building somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. We've had this conversation a lot. It's like, how do you value a relationship with a person that, you know, depending on where you are in that relationship with a person, you don't know how it's going to formulate or develop as time goes by. Um, and relationships that I've been building with people online in the past two, three years, especially on behalf of, of both my own business and your business, that it's kind of coming to fruition now, but it's really coming to fruition where we're talking to agencies who are using Agora Pulse, who are now talking to other agencies and other people within the industry saying, oh, you know, you have to check this tool out. So it's the farming mentality of building relationships and it's very difficult to get that across to the people who are at a higher level. Yeah, but at least what you're doing is you're taking that mass of engaged people on our account mm -hmm. and, and, and laser focusing on the ones that are key for our business, which one segment being agencies, and you say, okay, I'm going to focus my engagement time and I'm, I'm going to focus my attention because I get dozens and dozens of retweets and engage people every day. And you go, okay, mm -hmm. I can't engage genuinely with dozens and dozens of people every day because I don't have the time. 
So I'm going to focus on engaging with the, the five or six or seven who are right in the core, the core target market that we're going after. And I'm going to invest more time in building relationships with them. And, and I think that's one of the ways you can build um, asset value and demonstrate something. Because if, if I've, at the end of the month, you say, okay, this month we've identified X amount of key people for our business and we have done the engagement stuff with them. There, there are ways you can measure that. So look at all of these people that have been tweeting about you, mentioning you on social media, maybe subscribe to your thing or talk about your thing to others. And I think that's, that's, how the, that's the whole relationship thing that social media is all about, which makes it so incredibly um, uh, full of potential, but also very challenging because how do you measure the value of a relationship? How do you measure how a relationship evolves to a level plus one, plus two, you know, people talking about you and, and, and spreading the word, it's it's so hard to, to measure. I totally agree. I mean, one thing I used to always mention um, that I it was a, a line that I got from a friend of mine um, in Washington, D.C. was members of Congress was trying to tell them about using social media to connect with constituents. And uh, one thing that my friend said was, how many people walk into your office on a daily basis? If you're a retail location, how many people walk in there every day? And then how many people, if you're launching some ads or you're just doing social media relationship building and you're talking with people and you're building a community, how many people is that reaching a day? And I guarantee the social media reach that you have that day in reference to impressions and engagements is probably more than the number of people that came in that retail location. So it's you know, you wouldn't have a broken lamp in the corner of your restaurant, so why would you have a broken relationship on Facebook? It's, it's a similar type of concept, right, where you're not, you want to put your best foot forward at all times, and it's extremely important to make sure that you're listening and monitoring and managing in the way that it's best possible. Well, on the note of building, as you guys might be able to hear, we're in an uh, incubator that I believe they're building the the next floor above us i think they're building offices so that's where the the hammering and the drilling is going they're on. used to because we had the construction addition. we had the construction oh, oh, that's edition. right yes that's last right time. so we're expanding that's good news we're expanding <laughs> so um rarely do i have the chance to sit around a table with five entrepreneurs and the idea of success and when i think about john over the last three years what has been, how have you measured success for you in the business? And it's not just clicks. What, what, what is it for you? I mean, I think especially early on, there were a few main things I was obsessed over. And that was how much traffic am I getting today? Mm -hmm. Is uh, how, how many email addresses do I have? And I, I, the other things I was monitoring um, a little bit less closely, not nearly as closely as the traffic, was how many Facebook likes do I have? How many Twitter followers do I have? How many YouTube subscribers do I have? So, especially during the days when I wasn't making any money, I mean, that's a good place to start in terms of what kind of audience are you building? Yeah, I know for, for me and in my practice, I think what, what I measure my success on was, was feeling good. You know, feeling, see, now I feel bad. See, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> see, I mean, it's all about something, right. something about numbers or right. something cold, and then you're like, <laughs> all that matters is if I feel good. Right, right. so, so, so I, I, set, I set him up for that one really well. <laughs> so, but, but for me, it, it is about feeling good and feeling that um, it's, it's kind of corny, but it's measuring by smiles, measuring by compliments, and measuring by testimonials. So that's worked for me and my 
you know, few years. Mr. Foxwell, what, how's it, what's worked for you? I mean, I think initially it is hard not to measure success by stuff like that or on numbers. I, I mean, I it, that's hard not to get away from uh, to get away from that. But I, I think now, you know, measuring the success that I have is is a lot around something that my business partner, my wife. Wow, there's a little construction noise. That's your business partner um, there. Yeah, just <laughs> something we've talked about is measuring success based on the, the main metric of. of of that happiness and, uh, mm-hmm. and of the satisfaction of helping people and being and being truly helpful and them saying, I never would have been able to get this done without you or I can't believe that that happened or our business has grown and it's it's so great what you've been able to do with us. And I think that that's really the success because I'm not in this business to like make a zillion dollars, although that'd be nice, but I'm in it to like be helpful and, and make, you know, be able to be genuinely helpful and listen to people and make sure that they're moving forward. And if that, and if I wake up and that makes me feel good, then that's totally successful to me. Jenny. Uh, I think for me, what makes me happy in business is making a difference to people who are open-minded and understand what it is that you're trying to do for them. So we spoke again earlier at lunch about it's okay to say no. Uh, so, you know, I'm in business not as long as other people, but, um, it's, it's one thing that I think a lot of entre- entrepreneurs struggle with when they're starting is, you know, every time somebody calls you up or sends you an email that it's, you know, you have to get that quote out, you need to do that work. And it's like, well, it's money and it's hard to say no to it. But one of the biggest learnings today for me and the great thing to have Team Loomer and Emmerich here today is, um, you know, have those kind of conversations. Um, but definitely working for people who, you know, you, you make their life easier in some shape, way or form, whether that's something really small um, or big, that's what makes me happy anyway. Great answer. And Emrick, for you? Well, for me, it's it's kind of linked to the kind of business I'm in because I'm, I'm selling software, so I'm selling an app, which which, which I'm, I'm the only one around the table selling an app. And when you sell an app, you're you're selling a product. You're, so when you're selling a service, I totally understand and want to make sure that what I'm doing is making them happy and stuff because you can talk to them and, and you get them on the phone. I don't get any of my app use. I mean, most of my app users, I never talk to them. So the only way for me to measure success is how they use it and how often they use it and is it successful. And basically, you look at the daily active users and the weekly active users. And what make what makes me happy is when that number grows. You know, when I get more daily active and more weekly active because then I know. I've built something that people enjoy using that's probably useful for them and and that's that's the end goal for me because you know every everything else will flow from that if if you do that then you've done you've done everything that will you know everything that will come after that will be what you're working for eventually money a zillion dollar like my friend Andrew is going to get very soon <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but before the money it's like if you're doing the right thing you're building the right product for the right for the right need and, and you're addressing that need well then you know success will come money will come and more employees and more more product and more everything so I like what you said Jenny about success being defined around to some of the people that you work with mm-hmm. I think it's that's really successful and um, measuring that I mean being able to connect with people that you really feel like they understand what you're trying to do and what your goals are and it's very mutually beneficial that's a huge part of it and there's a lot of jerks out there and I think it's I think it's, and I think it's it's really making sure that you work with people it is successful to work with people who are not and say that say thank you and are gracious and you're gracious back to them for the work that they're doing to help you as well so I think that's a really important piece to mention I'd like to change my answer 
<laughs> Ultimately, it all comes down to making sure that you're happy and you make the world a better place. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's a that's a you hear that a lot. Actually, I'm not I'm not in business to make the world a better place. I'm I'm in life to make the world a better place, but usually my businesses have not been built to make the world a better place. To offer a product that people need and use for, but I I, I do make the world a better place a lot in my personal life, but oh, in yeah. my business, it's it's rarely been something that been, <laughs> that's been driving me. Yeah, and really, in all seriousness, I mean, kind of like what Andrew was saying, there's a lot of jerks out there, <laughs> um, and really, it's it's a matter of not only d- d- deciding not to work with those jerks, but not being one, because you could really easily, quickly become one of one of those people. I'm so happy you say that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> And, and if I become one of those people, let me know. I will let you know. I will. I will. Well, you're already a jerk, so how do right. you know? <laughs> but, uh, so, but, but really, you know, and remembering why you started doing what you're doing in the first place. So for me, it was, um, well, first of all, I was forced into it, but also uh, I want to spend more time with my kids and my family and my wife and coach my kids' baseball teams and not be on the road all the time, whether it be commuting or traveling or, or whatnot. And... Uh, and, and watch my kids grow. So if that's not happening anymore, then I'm not happy, and that, that's, a, that's a way of measuring the success of the business. So on that note, I think that was better than measuring it based on traffic. Yeah, that was yeah. slightly better. <laughs> so I'd say I asked the bartender for, my t- for a tab, but our friend Andrew already paid that $17 tab for this uh, six-pack of Ballast Point. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. Hey. Hashtag great guy. Hashtag great guy. And also, thank you, Jerry Seinfeld. Anything you'd like to say, Jerry, before we go? I can't believe it. So good. <laughs> so great show today. Uh, maybe we'll do this once a year. Thanks again for stopping by the pub. Until next time, do awesome things. We're out. All right, that was awesome. Really wanted the my favorite episodes of the podcast the pubcast so far definitely something different and uh, thanks everyone for being a part of it so once again hopefully I'll see you at the workshop next week johnlimmer.com slash otb dash workshop until next time do awesome things I'm out